to MFM bringing you insight into the 2021 New South Wales local government election. تغطية الإذاعة الإسلامية لانتخابات المجالس البلدية في نيو ساوث ويلز لعام 2021 As part of 2MFM's coverage of the upcoming 2021 New South Wales Council elections and in an effort to familiarise the community with their local candidates, today I'm hosting Granville Ward Councillor Ola Hamid. Ola, thank you for accepting the invitation. It's good to have you in the 2MFM studio. Ola, thank you for having me. Um, it's always uh, an absolute honour to be in the presence of another Ola. Ola, before we start talking politics, can we ease into the conversation by having you tell us a little about yourself, your background and what you did before you became involved in politics? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Ola Hammond obviously is my name. I've been in uh, the Granville area for uh, my entire life. I was educated at um, Western Sydney University and went to school um, at Granville South High School um, and Granville East Public School in my younger years. Um, at uni, I did a bachelor's degree in industrial relations and have almost finished my master's degree also in HR and IR. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Before I got into politics, I um, worked at the bank uh, as a bank manager and then I was headhunted by the finance sector union where I've been for the last 14 years. Oh, wow. What about your family life? Yes, married to Abdulaziz Alush, who's my other half. We are raising two beautiful young boys, Daniel and Noah Alush. So did you always have an interest in politics and local affairs or was it an opportunity that kind of presented itself to you that you just decided to take on? Look, in short, I've always um, strived for social justice. Growing up, obviously, I, you know, mum and dad come from a Lebanese Muslim background Mm -hmm. um, and some of the racism that I grew up with was absolutely horrendous and it kind of shaped my um, thoughts and my views and um, my commitment to wanting to make a difference in the lives of people um, who were uh, not privileged. Mm. Um, So that's why I decided to go to the FSU. So at the FSU, um, I'm a union official uh, where I uh, every single day campaign and advocate for and strive for better working conditions and pay for workers in the finance sector. All right. Now, Ola, as you know, politics is a domain that's still quite male-dominated. Did you feel overwhelmed entering this field and being so young? Did you fear your ambitions wouldn't be taken seriously? Um, look, that's always, absolutely always uh, an issue. Uh, uh, there are 15 councillors mm-hmm. uh, on Cumberland Council. One's resigned, so 14, but um, uh, there are 15 spots. Two of those are women and I have one of those spots. So Mm. um, it's always really difficult. But, you know, part of the reason I decided to accept the offer of um, running for council is that we need true representation at the table. And you can't truly be representative of a community if you don't understand it. And, you know, um, there's 51% of Cumberland Mm. are women. So (laughs) um, with only two people out of 15, we still don't have enough representation. So... um, it's, you know, um, a value that I hold really dear to my mm. heart. Ola, you've chosen to run as a Labor representative. Any reason why you've chose to be affiliated with Labor as opposed to any other party or even running as an independent as many other candidates have chosen to do? 
Look, there are lots of reasons, mm. um, and I'm actually quite proud to be running under a Labor ticket, and I and part of that is that it aligns um, a lot with my faith. Um, so one of the um, the big things in the Labor Party is that we believe um, that public assets should remain in public hands and, and not sold to the private sector. Um, and an example of that recently is when the independents and um, the mayor and the Liberals supported quite a number of times uh, in the process to sell off our childcare centres. And Labor, it was only Labor, that decided that we were not going to have a bar of it, um, that we were going to fight for the community and that we were going to fight to keep that wonderful public asset that is um, providing um, uh, the highest of quality care for our children in the hands of the public. So those childcare centres weren't eventually sold off or privatised? Eventually, no. We ran a very strong campaign with the community. We raised the alarm. We talked to people. We had petitions signed. We had people come into council, talk to the councillors about why it's important to them that they that um, childcare remains in public hands. It's not just about the fact that we offer cheaper rates, generally speaking, mm. than the private sector. It's also about the quality of care that we are um, able to, to provide. Yeah. Now, since being elected as a councillor, what would you say have been some of your most notable accomplishments and biggest wins for the community? Look, one of the things that I'm very proud to say is that the very first thing I had done in in my term as a councillor four years ago was um, we did an audit on sling hoists for disabled people, for people on wheelchairs uh, in our pools. Oh, wow. So um, I noticed that because the Ruth Everest pool, which is in Auburn, mm-hmm. otherwise known as the Auburn pool, um, was uh, under Auburn Council, had um, a sling hoist there already. It was state-of-the-art sling hoist, but our other pools didn't. So one of the first things that I did as a very young councillor, may I add, was ensure that, um, you know, if there was uh, a person, a young um, man or woman or child who are on an electric um, wheelchair, uh, were able to get in the pool with dignity. Fantastic. That's one of the things that you're most proud of. No doubt you've also had your fair share of um, obstacles and, and hurdles. What have been some of the major obstacles or hurdles you've had to overcome to meet the needs or demands of your community? Being taken seriously on council by the men. (laughs) Um, It took some time. Um, I can tell you that they take me very seriously now (laughs) because uh, when I go in there to represent uh, my community, the Cumberland community, I mean business. And Mm. so it's been incredibly difficult kind of juggling, you know, home life um, and really advocating and and getting to all those meetings. And I'm one of those councillors that goes to, you know, as many community events that I'm invited to. And, of course, as you know, um, we are invited to quite a lot of community events over the time because you can't truly represent people if you're Mm. not talking to them regularly about what their issues are. You need to engage with people to know what their needs are. Genuine consultation is a really important thing as a counsellor. You know, we're human at the end Mm. of the day and we might have some preconceived ideas Mm. about things, but talking to people often um, has you thinking outside of that square and outside of the the views that you already have. You know, one of the things that the Liberals and under the leadership of the Mayor have done is that um, they reduced the amount of speaking time that the public can have when we're in the chamber to two minutes. I mean, how much can somebody actually tell us? And that, that is the forum where the community community 
gets to come in yeah. and talk to the counsellors about their issues. They better have their palm cards ready when they come in. That's exactly <laughs> right. Because two minutes, I mean, you know, it's not a long time at all. And yeah. I was absolutely outraged when they proposed that. And, of course, Labor voted against it. Yeah. But it got up because at the time we didn't have the numbers, unfortunately. Yeah. It's quite unfortunate because one of the ways in which you can also build rapport with people and the public and really get to the heart of their concerns and the issues is you know through that rapport and you need conversation to do that it doesn't just happen by looking at someone it doesn't happen you need that conversation that open conversation and the more you can interact and converse the more you develop that rapport yeah and that's absolutely right I mean I can talk to a story here about um, the Granville Centre so um, Julia Finn who's a state member of parliament has been had been at the time advocating uh, with Viv May who uh, was the administrator before we were democratically elected onto Cumberland Council um, about the need for a better centre at what they used to call the Multicultural Centre or the Youth Centre. That's the one near the pool. We've now um, uh, knocked that down and rebuilt it and I'm really proud of that work. But can I say, when we built it, we built it for the community and um, it used to cost about $9 an hour. Don't quote me on that, but it's around about $9 an hour to get a a space in a hall or or, or a room or something like that. We spent quite a bit of money on it and it's now a state-of-the-art multi-purpose centre. Nice. Um, So there's a recording studio, um, a hall that fits 500 people and breakout rooms and the library is now incorporated into there. And I am so proud of that work because I've been working on that since before I was even a councillor. Oh, wow. um, As part of the consultation process with the community. But can I say, um, when I did become a councillor, it was something that I really pushed for. And when I pushed for it, I didn't expect that we were going to start charging up to $270 an hour to hire the hall. So that's the thing that differentiates um, Cumberland Labor from the Mayor, um, the OLC, obviously, and and the Liberal Party. Um, And going back to consultation, which is my point here, is that we put in a futsal field, so a little soccer field with artificial turf for people Mm. to play after school. Um, You know, hopefully they'll come for a kick around with a ball. There's a basketball court there as well and go to the library, do some work and and go home. And and the idea of that was to keep, you know, the kids off the street. Um, Unfortunately, our opponents decided that um, they were going to put a gate around the futsal field and start charging $12 an hour to children. Now, when when I heard about that, I thought, this is interesting. I wasn't mm. sure that it was a good idea. But when I spoke to people about it, one woman said to me that, you know, her son, um, you know, was one of those people that was giving her, you know, a bit of a hard time. He wasn't off the rails, but, you know, he's a teenager, yeah, right? Yeah. So, um, and he loved, he loved soccer. Um, and she said to me that he could never afford $12 an hour to be able to play there. And um, when I put it to her that, you know, six aside, a dollar each, she said, well, teenagers actually aren't that organised. Teenagers aren't that organised. So it's about listening to their stories. It's about listening to what they can and can't do. Now, let's look a little closer at some of the issues facing the Cumberland Council area. Managing development and the associated issues of population density and congestion continues to be perceived and experienced as the biggest challenge facing the Cumberland LGA in the next 10 years. And this isn't according to me, this is according to the 2019 Community Satisfaction Research Report. Have your interactions with the Granville community revealed the same concerns? And if so, what are you doing to address these concerns? That is an absolute concern. I mean, anyone um, that tells you that overdevelopment in Cumberland is not 
a concern is it's got their head in the sand. Yeah. Um, I, just for the record, I said this in my speech, my fundraiser the other night with 300 people, where I said, I'm not anti-development, I am anti-bad development, and I'm anti-over-development. Yeah. So, you know, there's quite a lot of people in the community who talk to the fact that development creates jobs and all of that sort of stuff. And depending on which side of the fence you sit on, some yeah. would argue that it's, you know, cheaper housing and all the rest of it. Um, but can I say this? It doesn't have to come at the expense of our um, living standards. It doesn't have to come at the expense of our infrastructure and things like that. So um, if we're matching infrastructure to um, the developments, if we're um, ensuring that there are open spaces, Mm. that there's affordable housing. I mean, in my speech, I said um, the other day that, you know, there is benefit in development. There is benefit. But we if you've got the infrastructure to support it. Exactly, exactly. And infrastructure includes, may I add, um, social and affordable housing. Now, this is a multifaceted, really complex issue yeah. that a lot of people don't understand. But in simple terms, what it means is that we're taking basically, you know, developers make, and I'm not saying that they make hundreds and hundreds of billions of dollars, but mm. let's assume they make $100 million on a development that, you know, is putting pressure on our infrastructure and our services, mm. our lives our pools, our roads, our footpaths, etc. Um, it's okay if they give to the community some affordable housing and instead of making $100 million, you know, might yeah. make $90 million. Like, it's about finding the balance. It is about... Exactly. Between giving and taking. And taking. That, that's exactly right. And can I say... That, you know, and it comes back to the fees and charges that I was talking about before. Cumberland community isn't necessarily a wealthy community. Mm. There are some very wealthy people in our community. I, I, I know that. But there are also people that are falling through the cracks uh, who are, you know, on the borderline of poverty and destitution and homelessness. Now, mm. what kind of society do we want to live in where those opposite? So the mayor and the OLC and the Liberals will talk about we're going back to basics. We're fixing the roads. We're, we're picking up rubbish now if I'm if my car's driving down a road that's you know made of gold Mm. but I've got destitution and homelessness um, on on the footpath then what kind of society is Mm. that so it's about realigning our priorities I think now it's a well-known fact that improving accessibility to public transport is one way to ease traffic congestion issues but it's to my knowledge that the express train services in the area have been cancelled meaning train commutes are taking longer and possibly deterring many residents from using public transport how vocal have you been about restoring express train services to the area? So one of the things that I will say is that um, Granville Labor has a very good relationship with the local members of parliament, mm. unlike the others. Um, and that is because we understand that we need to be able to work with um, local members of parliament to be able to address state issues that affect our residents. Mm. Um, so uh, I can tell you that I was really angry when the Liberal government um, cut back services to and from Granville uh, Station. It used to take me uh, less than half an hour uh, to get to my job in the city before those were cut. So a big part of what um, you do as a councillor is talk to stakeholders, talk to members of parliament that that can advocate on your behalf about this sort of stuff. And can I tell mm. you, people like Linda Voltz, Julia Finn have been champions at calling this out and ensuring that we are at the forefront in terms of making sure that those services are restored, um, not just for Granville, but for Auburn um, and the surrounding. 
surrounding suburbs as well. Uh, how close would you say you are to achieving that result? Of Look, it's a state issue, not a local government yeah. issue. Um, so that's something that um, that you know they're going to have to deal with. And bear in mind that it's a Liberal state government, not a Labor state government. Um, and you know Julia and Linda have been uh, advocating, advocating quite a lot, actually, quite a lot on this issue. Mm-hmm. And I'm proud of the work that they've done, and they've listened to the community, and they've come to community events, and they've heard people's concerns. Um, but at the end of the day, um, they are uh, in opposition. Um, so what the government um, is doing about it mm. uh, is... I mean, I'd be, I'd be curious to try and understand the reasoning behind cutting such a service, which is making people's lives easier. Can I just say that like we saw in the lockdown, um, the western suburbs of Sydney are always left behind under this government. This Liberal government doesn't care about the western suburbs. If anyone has a shred of doubt in their mind about this issue, then there's something wrong with them. I mean, we saw during lockdown the fact that we were um, in the western suburbs locked down in a very different manner to some of the others, despite the fact that, um, you know, people were breaking uh, public health orders elsewhere. Um, We were just treated so differently. And the train services is just a part of that. Ola, are you aware of a proposed plan for the development of some 1,500 units somewhere near the intersection of Woodville Road, the M4 and Church Street. You do. You yes, are absolutely. Aware of it. Yes. Yep. So do you support or oppose this plan? It's going to have to come back to us, obviously. So um, each and every single development is looked upon on its merits. So what we do when we're doing planning proposals is we look at it on merit. So we look at things like what kind of um, effect is it going to have on our infrastructure, as I said earlier, parking, traffic, how Mm -hmm. close is it to public transport, um, but also what the public benefit is going to look like. So there's this thing called the VPA, which Mm -hmm. means we can negotiate a voluntary payment to council Mm -hmm. from this development for the benefit of the community. Mm. So we'll certainly look at it when it comes uh, across the desk uh, and we'll make a decision on its merits. But given it's such a large development, and I mean large development, 1,500 units is quite a lot and that's going to house a lot of people. And to my understanding, that's also going to include some retail space as well. So that's going to bring a lot of traffic to the area. Um, It's going to increase the population of the area. The infrastructure, is it there to support that kind of a development? Um, look, to be honest, I think there is quite, you know, there is quite a lot of overdevelopment in the area, as I said earlier, and I think um, that each and every single one of them needs to be looked at on its merits. Not to mention it's at a very sensitive intersection of, you know, Woodville Road, M4 and Church Street, some of the busiest roads in the yeah. Cumberland area. Can I, can I give you an example of, of, of this? So just down the road from there um, on Woodville Road, there's a site your listeners might um, be familiar mm-hmm. with. They come to council with a proposal of, um, look, don't quote me on the numbers because it was a, quite a couple of years ago now, but um, they came to, to us with a proposal of, you know, um, around 500 units. Um, it's, you know, nowhere near a train line, but mm. there was a regular bus service. When we looked at it, we knocked it back quite a number of times because we said, where's the open space? Where are people going to go for a jog if they need to come, you know, out of their apartments? Um, where's the public benefit of it? Where's the affordable housing? And I'm proud to say that we, because of the Labor's advocacy, we were able to make some um, amendments to the way it was planned, I suppose, um, and to be able to get and negotiate with that developer some really 
really good public housing um, provisions as well as open plan. And, and, and I think off the top of my head, there was some quite a substantial amount of money given to council for us to use for capital works and things like that. So, you know, it's not black and white. Mm. Um, don't be fooled. It is not black and white. Each and every single one of them is looked upon mm. its merits. Well, based on what I've been told about this issue is that Labor is putting its weight behind this development and it's trying to get it the tick of approval, basically. Really? Um, <laughs> yeah, to me? That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I've been told. Well, I can tell you that that's, that's, I'm, I'm not putting my weight behind this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I'm saying to you is that we will look at it on its merits like every other proposal and Labor will try to, where possible, get the best possible outcome for the community. What that looks like at this stage, I don't know. It hasn't come back to mm-hmm. us, um, but that is what we commit to. So this is why it's important to hear both sides of the story. As you probably know through experience, politics is a field that offers you opportunities to affect change, make a difference and harness a great deal of support from the people that you serve. However, it's also a field that can subject you to stiff competition, criticism and even accusations. Now here I want to raise what might be a sensitive issue that perhaps you're aware of and perhaps you're not, but There have been allegations made by some people that you're behind a smear campaign targeting Mayor Steve Christou, allegedly because you have your eyes or your sights set on the top job. What would you respond to that? Um, Look, as a democratically elected councillor, it is my job to keep the mayor accountable. Mm. Um, It is not a smear campaign. I am a person of high integrity um, and I pride myself on that. And I'm not shying back from saying that I've um, been raised with values as such. So Mm. um, if the mayor is going to slip up, I am going to call that out. That is my job. I am not going to let it slide. My job is to represent every single person in the community. So if the mayor thinks that that's a um, smear campaign, then that's a matter for him. My job is to keep him accountable. Can I just add to that? Can I say to your listeners that I don't support the current mayor leading this council? The current mayor has had two years to lead this council and all we've seen is division. Um, And so um, I'm happy with anybody else, quite frankly, being mayor. And I can tell you, I can tell you quite a number of reasons for why Cumberland Council, under Mayor Christo's leadership, um, issued um, a record amount of parking infringements okay during the lockdown the most difficult time for our residents residents who can barely put food on the table we issued more fines than the entire new south wales police force this is under uh, the leadership of this mayor Ola, in wrapping up, what message do you have for the community as to why you deserve their vote on December the 4th? Well, one of the things that um, that I've been fighting against is uh, stopping the mayor from spending over $300,000 a year to get himself on TV and in the Daily Telegraph. That money could be spent on programs for our youth, programs for our seniors, programs for um, people with disabilities, programs for some of the most disadvantaged people. Now, again, we're not all disadvantaged, but there is a huge proportion of the population who are. Labor, my team will absolutely put an end to that. And we've been fighting publicly against it, as you already know. Um, We support, obviously, social and affordable housing. We support less fees in our centres. So if myself and my team get elected, Frank Webb, who's a 
wonderful advocate for the community. We will make sure that fees and charges are looked at and, and brought back down to levels that are, that are reasonable. Uh, we will make sure that public assets remain in public hands because that is a labour value. So, you know, uh, we will truly represent the community. We will allow the community to come in and give us a piece of their mind and tell us how they feel about things. We will do that. Well, it seems like you've made your case. Now, uh, this has been a very interesting and revealing interview, which has told us a lot about your work and your aspirations for the Granville Ward. Thank you so much for accepting the invitation and wishing you the best on December the 4th. It is an absolute pleasure to be with you. Thank you. MFM bringing you insight into the 2021 New South Wales local government election. تغطية الإذاعة الإسلامية لانتخابات المجالس البلدية في New South Wales لعام 2021.